Amen. Good morning, Christ Chapel. Great to see you. Hello to all of you at all of our other campuses. You are a part of the Christ Chapel family. We're so glad that you're joining with us to worship the Lord. Would you all take a copy of the scriptures and open it to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I would also like to say a special thank you to Carrie, Robert, and Carrie who were in uh, our, what we call a bumper video, but in that video, uh, I so appreciate them beginning our conversation, being transparent about where they are, but also the hope that they find in Christ. So, so thankful for them and starting this conversation about mental health. So we're gonna continue it today. And last week, I introduced you to a Shrek you had probably never heard of before. Um, I tiptoed through that story, and today I'm still married. Hallelujah. So hopefully, if you, you heard last week's uh, message where I talked about how um, we need a well-balanced idea or approach to mental health. Well, I told you how we had Shrek, which was our 2001 Ford Expedition. That was a great uh, horse for us there to get us from point A to point B for about four to five years. And I told you that it always had problems being uh, unbalanced. The tires would always get unbalanced. So we'd always have to take it in, get the tires rotated and balanced. You knew that it was unbalanced because the wheel would start shaking. We had to always take it in and finally, we always took it in the same place. Finally, one time, the mechanic told my wife, Jen, this. He said, you know, the wheel is bent. You know, she's like, what? He said, one of your wheels is warped. It's bent. And she said, you know, I, I didn't know that. He said, yeah. One of your wheels is not perfectly round. He said, so as long as you keep that wheel on there, that doesn't matter where you rotate it onto the car, it's gonna make all of the tires unbalanced. You're always gonna have to keep bringing it back in to get the tires rotated and balanced until you fix that one tire. It doesn't matter where you put it. You gotta fix that one. Now, here's why I tell you that, is because what if that is the case for us when it comes to mental health? You know, I told you last week that we've got to have that holistic approach to mental health, where we've got to think about our mental health, but how it's affected by all different areas of our health. And we went back to Genesis chapter one so that you understand how God created you, how God designed you, but also the ways that Jesus grew and the way that we are called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, strength, love our neighbor as ourselves. And we talked about mental health being affected by all four of these areas, our emotional health, our physical health, spiritual health, and relational health. And if any of these get out of balance, it's going to affect our mental health. But here's my question. What if one of those areas has been damaged? What if one of those areas has been warped, has been hurt, has been bent out of shape? You see, this past year has presented a lot of different circumstances and situations that have worn on our emotional health, that has warped, in many senses, our emotional health. So much so that it's been hard to keep it in the road. And we find ourselves drifting into the dark ditches on the side. And none of us want to go there, but we don't know how to keep it in the road. 
when we, our emotional health has been so damaged by the different things that we've lived through this past year. You see, last week I talked about the challenge, what I called the challenge spiral. How if we don't get the cause or the root and we're confused about what is causing our mental health to get off track or unbalanced, then it's gonna spiral down and and essentially end in a spiritual crisis. Uh, But many of us have experienced a, a darkness spiral this past year. You see, this past year, it started off with uncertainty. None of us knew what the the year would bring. And I've mentioned that before. I think many of us, when we heard of COVID-19, we thought if we just kind of get through it for a few weeks, we'll get over this and, you know, life will go back to normal. But what started out as uncertainty quickly went to fear and anxiety. And then ultimately, some of us fell into depression and a deep, deep, dark sadness. And if we don't get a hold of our emotional health, then we are gonna be in for a wobbly, wobbly ride. Because some of us haven't addressed that one wheel. And no matter where you try to hide it, no matter where you try to move it, it's got to be addressed to have anything fixed. You know, I was reading some statistics on just how this past year has affected us emotionally. This was a study by the CDC, and obviously this information is gonna continue to be processed as a worldwide pandemic comes along about once every 100 years. So we're just getting new information about this. But here are some statistics, 40% of Americans reported living with a mental illness in 2020, 40%. Let me compare it for you. In 2019, it was 20%. In 2008, it was 18%. So in just over 10 years, it increased by 2%. In one year, it doubled. Did you know that the most common mental illness in our country is anxiety, one in five? One in five of us struggle with anxiety. And that, that, when we say anxiety, I mean, sometimes we, I think we kind of play it down uh, of anxiety is just kind of this nervousness. No, folks that struggle with anxiety, it, it's, it's a panic attack. It, 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 it is this overwhelming fear of dread. I am claustrophobic. I don't know if anybody is claustrophobic, but if you, if you are, you'll get this. And if you struggle with anxiety, you will get this. But anytime I am in a tight space, I freak out. Like I cannot breathe. I go from zero to 100. I'm breaking windows. Get me out of here. I cannot handle it. That's what people who struggle with anxiety feel like. It's this overwhelming sense of fear or dread. One in five of us struggle with that. Um, major depressive episodes. In 2019, 8% of Americans said that they had a major depressive episode. In 2020, it was 25%. One in four of us struggle with that. And when I say major depressive episode, I'm talking about diminished interest, change in appetite, sleeping too much or too little, fatigue, inability to concentrate, feelings of worthlessness, if you've ever struggled with depression, it's not, for folks that haven't, I've got to explain this for folks that haven't 
ever experienced this. It's not like people who struggle with depression have highs and lows, and the lows are just low. They don't have any highs. The, the, the high is normal, and they hope to get to that. They are constantly living underwater. And I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, you know, somebody, if a friend has ever tried to yell at you underwater in a pool or something, and you hear, everything is muffled. Everything is numb. You, you don't really feel anything. You would love to feel something. You wake up at every morning at 4 a.m. on the dot, and you wake up anxious, because you look at the clock and you go, is it 4 a.m. again? And it is, and you can't go back to sleep. I mean, people that struggle with depression, it's, it's a real deal, where they feel like they're living underwater. Everything is muffled and muddled. It's a, it's a serious, did you know that that is, the major depressive disorders is the leading cause of disability in the United States that stops people from working. They don't wanna get out of bed. You don't wanna go to sleep, but all you wanna do is sleep. And sometimes you don't even wanna wake up. That's what you struggle with if you struggle with a major depressive episode. And you say, Cody, that, that is, it, it's sad, it's sad. Let me, we're gonna get even sadder because this stuff doesn't just affect adults, it affects our children, which are oftentimes overlooked when we talk about mental health. Youth ages 11 to 17 were more likely than any other age group to suffer from moderate to severe symptoms of anxiety or depression this past year. More likely than any other age group. Of those experiencing those symptoms, ages 11 to 17, over half of them said they had thoughts of self-harm at least every other day. And suicide is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34. This is serious stuff. And, and I know that sometimes on the fringes, I was just talking about this, sometimes on the fringes people talk about mental health, but for some reason it's, it's conversations that we are not uh, apt to have. We're not quick to have these conversations. But if we're not gonna speak into it biblically, then we are letting people drift into very, very dark places. And they're places that you and I can drift tomorrow. We've got to speak into this biblically. We've got to understand what God has called us to be. And we've got to understand that there is hope. We cannot lose hope. And that's what we're going to talk about today is this Darkness that is, that is common to us all, that we all have, uh, all have the propensity to drift into. And some of us, we live there. And it's not a great place to live. And so how do we as Christian community live together and understand, bring this aspect that lives in the darkness, draw it into the light, and then walk in the light as he is in the light and we walk with each other so that we have hope in Jesus. So I want to start off just talking about how darkness was experienced in its deepest way by Jesus as he faced the depth of sin. And there's a, there's a very specific reason that I'm bringing this up, and you'll understand it by the end of the sermon. But darkness was experienced in its deepest way by Jesus as he faced the depth of sin. That's why I had you turn to Matthew chapter 26, because I want you to see that some of the things that people struggle with today, even Jesus struggled with. 
In Matthew chapter 26, this is right before Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And remember, Gethsemane is this place, it's a, it's a place, an olive basically orchard where they would press the olives. That's what Gethsemane means. It's the pressing, it's the crushing. And so there's certainly irony that Jesus is there and, he, and he's being crushed, he's being pressed in. In fact, that's what he starts talking about. Then Jesus went with them in verses 36 to 39, went with them, that's his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and I pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. So he tells those three, remain here and watch with me. And then he goes a little bit further away from them and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, obviously understanding what he's about to face, the, the depth of sin of the world, but it says that he's troubled or sorrowful, even unto death. And the words that are used there, it's a heaviness. It, it, it means heavy. And, and the, the sorrowful even to death means that it surrounds him, this sorrow. He can't escape it. And for those that have ever struggled with anxiety or depression, depression specifically, man, Jesus can relate. And all four of those areas that we just talked about with mental health, those are all being pressed and crushed on Jesus here in Gethsemane. Think about relationally, he's all by himself. Emotionally, he's in anguish. Spiritually, he's desperate praying, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Physically, we know from another account in the Gospels that he's sweating drops of blood. He is affected in every way possible. And one of the reasons why I bring this up, I'll tell you about it later, but one of the reasons I want to bring it up specifically here is sometimes when we talk about people who experience mental illness, I've heard it said that they just need to have more faith. And that is false. That, that's just not true. Jesus experienced deep, deep sorrow. In fact, he's called a man of sorrows. That's what scripture calls him. You see, darkness is experienced by all of us in a fallen world, and it's not easily sidestepped. You can't just say they need to have more faith, and you say, well, Cody, that was Jesus facing the depth of sin of the world. Yeah, okay, what about David? What about, what about Job? What about Paul? What about the heroes of the faith? Are you gonna say that they didn't have enough faith? I think sometimes we rely just on they need to have more faith because we don't understand what mental illness oftentimes entails. And so let me just go ahead and address why some people have trouble understanding, uh, I put it here on your sermon notes, five reasons why Christians have denied the legitimacy of mental illness. Let me just go ahead and address those up front because I wanna show you there aren't simple, simple solutions. Uh, first, there's no specific medical test exists to diagnose an individual. Well, sure. Mental illness is definitely a science and an art. Both, both are involved. Uh, so I know there's no specific test. It's not as simple as 
a, a blood test that you draw, but uh, that's one reason why Christians have denied its legitimacy. Uh, there doesn't seem to be consistency in diagnosis. Absolutely, because oftentimes diagnosis comes from symptoms. And, and somebody who uh, struggles with anxiety can exhibit symptoms that are totally different than somebody else, and they both struggle with anxiety disorders, but they manifest themselves totally different. Medication doesn't seem to cure the illness. You're right. Oftentimes, medication isn't meant to cure, and it's not something that can be cured, but it does bring somebody up where they can get their head above water. And praise God for that. Or another reason, not all abnormal behavior is directly linked to a brain disorder. That is 100% true. Because sometimes the thing that makes us act the craziest is called sin. And maybe you don't struggle with a mental disorder or a mental illness, but you struggle with sin. And I've seen people do the craziest stuff because of sin and fear. Or psychiatry and psychology are secular by nature. Sure. Well, isn't medicine? But you still go to a doctor. You see, darkness that's experienced by all of us in a fallen world is not easily sidestepped. You can't just say, hey, you know, go pray some more. Hey, just, just read your Bible more. That is certainly something that we need to take into account. But the darkness that our world has experienced this past year has not just come from people not reading their Bible enough. In fact, from April 2020 to September 2020, 70% of those reporting a major uh, depressive disorder said that a contributing factor was isolation. They, we were just isolated from folks. Again, that goes back to the holistic health. And it's not as simple, mental health is not just as simple as a shot. You see, that's why, that's why we've called this the pandemic that followed the pandemic because sometimes these effects of COVID-19 obviously last far beyond the symptoms of COVID. If you've had it, you go, man, I lost my sense of taste and smell, had a fever, felt like I had the bad flu, but then I got over it in two weeks. Those that struggle with mental health, they don't get over it in two weeks, and there's no shot. There's no quick fix. Now, there are easily quick fixes that we run to, especially in isolation, and that's substance abuse, which was rampant this past year. Substance abuse where you turn to drugs or alcohol or even eating disorders. All of those feed off of isolation. All, all of those thrive in darkness. And that's why we've gotta step in and pull this out of the darkness and into the light and begin these conversations because we can't just tell somebody, go pray more. Or, 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 or Cody, you know, hey, Jesus says, don't be anxious. Oh, good, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> I should have stopped a long time ago. It's not that simple. And we, we look for other solutions and we, we try to, and if you lean on substances, let me just tell you, if you lean on substances, it's like leaning in quicksand. The more you lean on it, the further you're gonna sink. 
you can't, you can't lean on those things. See, it's more complex, and I've put these three reasons why we struggle with these things on your sermon notes. Um, but there, first, there are situational reasons why people could struggle with this. Maybe there's been a, a, a great tragedy in your life, a huge tragedy. Or maybe you lost your job. Maybe there's prolonged stress. Maybe it is that isolation. There are situational reasons that push us into dark places, mentally, emotionally. Or there are psychological reasons. There, there, there are some mental illnesses that are hereditary. They're just, they're just passed down. And that's not your fault that you struggle with it. It's part of the fallen world that we live in. Or maybe there's been a traumatic uh, event. Maybe you have dissociative disorder that you now struggle with because of something that's happened then, way back when. And that causes you to struggle with your mental health now. Or there's just brain chemistry issues because of that prolonged stress. Remember we talked about that last week. The longer that you uh, deal with this prolonged stress, it can even shrink your brain. They're brain chemistry issues. Listen, I am a proponent of holistic health. Medication sometimes is absolutely necessary, and we should never, ever shame anybody who needs it. Ever. You take medicine, if you have, if you have diabetes, you take insulin. If you have cancer, you take chemo. If you have a headache, you take a Tylenol. Why would we refuse somebody who struggles with mental illness medication? It's, we'd only do it if we're taking a very narrow view of the scope of all of this, or there are spiritual reasons. Certainly, you might be struggling with a dark time because you are living in sin. If you are living in sin, repent, confess it, and turn to Jesus, who offers you forgiveness now. David, the prophet struggled with sin. If you, if you remember, he says, I hid, I hid it within my heart and it wasted away my bones. It affected him physically. And if you're hiding sin, yeah, you probably are in a dark place. Or there are other spiritual reasons and there's just an attack. You remember Job? What did Job do wrong? Uh, he was a righteous man who had faith in God. <laughs> that doesn't encourage you, I know. But sometimes there are just spiritual reasons. But God is still God, God is still sovereign, and God is still good. So there, there are many factors that all come together. And we can't easily sidestep the darkness that so many of us face, but it can be overcome because of he who's been through it and defeated the darkness. You see, darkness begins to be defeated when we step toward the light of the world. You've got to first start by stepping toward the light of the world. Why? Because he cares for you first, but because he took on your sin. And let me just start there. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are carrying the heaviest burden and the darkest darkness that you could be, and that is your own sin. And he took it to the cross so that you don't have to carry it. And he paid for it in full. You need to turn to him. Confess your sin by grace through faith. Accept the free gift of salvation in Jesus because he paid for that sin, but he's also been through all the dark things that you're experiencing now. In fact, Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16 
It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You see, you have a high priest who is and was the sacrifice. That's why he's the great high priest. He's gone into the darkest places. He knows what you're feeling. He knows the isolation. He knows the lies that the devil is telling you, the accuser, that's what Satan means, of this is your own fault. Don't tell anybody. No one wants to help you. No one wants to care for you. Those are all lies. He knows those things. And we can draw near to him to find help in our time of need. You see, he is a wounded healer. He, he wants to help you. He wants to give you grace and mercy. And the one who bought you will not abandon you. You might be feeling like you're alone walking through this, but you're not. He's walked through the valley of the shadow of death and he says that he'll lead us through that. And I love how that Psalm 23 ends because it says, and he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You know what that means? Is that even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of the storm, he holds on to us and he prepares a table for us. And he says, you sit with me, buddy. You sit with me, sister. It's safe with me. Yeah, things might be swirling out there, but with me, I got you. He prepares a, a table for you to fellowship, to give you help in time of need. So I wanna give you a holistic approach to mental health, especially for us that are dealing with the darkness. You know exactly what I'm talking about, this metaphorical darkness, because you feel it. So I wanna go through, I've based this again off of the Luke 252, where we talked about how, in the four areas that we drew from all of those, but remember where Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So. I, I wanna go back to that because we've got to have this holistic approach. So first, with emotional health, let your hope for tomorrow encourage you today. Let your hope for tomorrow encourage you today. If you are struggling with darkness, what you need to hear today is it won't always be like that today. Tomorrow, it will not always be as dark. I've told you guys about uh, the church I love so much that I went to when I was in college in, uh, in Baylor, uh, New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, Joseph Shiloh. Love that church. That church means the world to me. That's where I preached my first sermon. That's where I was baptized. They let me teach Sunday school. Um, they, they let me sing in the choir, and I'm a terrible singer. But I remember on my last Sunday, they, they actually threw me a graduation party. It was a very, very small church. Um, threw me a graduation party and invited my, they invited my family and came. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. But I remember um, the, them asking me, I, I said, can I sing in, in the choir? I'm like, I know, there's only like 10 people in the choir, um, probably only 40 people in the congregation. But I said, can I sing in the choir the, my last day? And they're like, sure. They said, what do you want to sing? And I said, well, my favorite song that we've ever sung here is a song called It Can't Stay Dark Always. And we sang that, and I'm gonna try to get through it. I'm not gonna sing it to you. <laughs> but you can YouTube it, or it's on Spotify, because I listened to it all the way in today. But the song says, though it may be dark in your life, hold on. Weeping may endure for the night, hold on. 
the morning light appears and the dawn breaks, it can't stay dark always. It says, shine, shine, the sun will shine after a while. And I remember the choir director, every time we got to that chorus where he's just singing shine, he would always clap. It's like a thunderclap. It was just this wonderful break where it was like, stop. Because that's exactly how light comes into darkness with immediate effect. And some of you just need to hear that it can't stay dark always. I don't know what you're facing, but Jesus will shine. He provides mercies that are new every morning and his mercies are new for you. In physical, seek to do the right things you don't feel like doing, including seeking professional help. If you are struggling with a dark time, there are many things that you don't feel like doing. I totally understand that, totally get it. But you've got to discipline yourself and you've gotta put people around you that will help you and encourage you and support you to do the things that you don't feel like doing. That includes going for a walk. You don't feel like going for a walk. You're like, I just wanna stay here, I wanna sleep. Let's get up, let's go for a walk. Let's get up, dress up, and show up. You gotta have people that encourage you to do those things even you don't feel like doing. Even make an appointment, go to, get a physical. I mean, there, there are some biological causes that could be causing you to go through a dark time that we don't even recognize or think about. Go see a doctor. Um, go see a, a Christian counselor. I have. Go see a Christian counselor. In fact, you're gonna hear from one in your home groups this week that has helped me tremendously over the past 15 years. Go, go, to, go there. Also, if you... If you are struggling with thoughts about harming yourself, please seek immediate help. Please, for your sake, for everybody's sake around you. I know you might think you're doing somebody a favor, you're doing nobody a favor. Jesus has a plan for you. Jesus can save you, Jesus can rescue you. There is hope in him. Relationally, allow the care of Christ to flow through the body of Christ, and that includes you. When we get into dark places, sometimes we isolate ourselves. And we think, God, you just heal me of this. And we only look for supernatural solutions where we say, God, just heal me of this miraculously. And I'm not saying that he can't do that. But I'm also saying that some of the ways that God cares for us as Christians is through the body of Christ. And we've gotta be transparent about the things that we're struggling with, which is why I said a thank you to Carrie and Robert and Carrie for being transparent about the things that they've struggled with. Uh, it, nobody knows how they can help. And God provides the body of Christ to come around you, to support you, to help you. That is Christ helping you. It just might come in a different form than you would expect. You know, it reminds me of that old, not to be trite, but it reminds me of that old um, illustration that's been used before, the, the guy whose house flooded, you know, there's flooding going on, he's sitting on his roof, and he says, God, help me, and he, and he sends a boat, and the guy says, no, God will help me, you know, and he sends somebody else, God will help me, sends a, raf God, God, sends a helicopter, no, God will help me. He's like, God, why don't you come help me? He's like, I sent three things, you know? <laughs> like, 
there is the help. There is help here. There is help at our church. But we've got to begin these conversations. I mean, again, talking about these things. Understand, it's okay to not be okay. And allow the body of Christ to care for you. And guess what? Not only that, but you're included in the body of Christ. You see, because not everyone, I know one of the reasons why you don't want to be transparent about it is because nobody wants to be needy. But everybody wants to be needed. And you are needed here. You are needed in whatever you're going through. We need you. And sometimes helping other people, fulfilling your role in the body of Christ is what helps pull you out of that dark place. You know, I'm reminded, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, where, where Paul says, comfort others with the comfort you've received from Christ. Well, you're going to comfort people that are struggling with those same things. Or even another example, in Job 42, I love the sequencing of the events there at the end of Job. God doesn't restore Job's fortunes, if you want to call it that. He, he restores Job, but he doesn't do it until he says, Job, go pray for your friends. <laughs> go, go minister to someone else. You've got a great view of me. Go minister to them, and then I'll restore you. Sometimes we have to care for other people. In fact, there was a list of things that, that uh, I saw. These were uh, a list of things began to change when. That people who struggled with anxiety, depression, fear, those kind of things, they said things begin to change with, and one of the things at the very top of the list, things begin to change when I cared for someone else. Care for someone else. And then finally, couple the assurance of God's care with his commands, leaning on your identity in Christ. You couple the assurance of God's care with his commands, leaning on your identity in Christ. You know, I'll go back to those Bible verses that, that we talk about where you go, well, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't be anxious for anything. Well, do you know why he says that? He says, because he's gonna care for your needs. Which, by the way, that doesn't mean that we can't think about the future or care about the future. The, the word that he uses there means to unduly care for. Don't be so overly concerned. And we totally get that way because we want to be in control of things. And this past year has thrown us out of control. It's wrestled life out of our hands. But all of those things, all the commands, don't be anxious, comes with, because you're a child of God and I care for you. I mean, even in Philippians chapter four, hey, do not be anxious for anything. Why? Why? Don't stop there. Because through everything, with prayer, supplication, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You always couple God's commands with his care. First Peter 5, 8. Don't, you cast all your anxiety onto him. Why? Because he cares for you. You always couple God's commands with God's care because you lean on your identity as a child of God. Listen, we are not defined by our struggles. We are defined by who our heavenly father is, the God we serve, the one who has ransomed us, the one who has bought us, the one who has, will never abandon us, the one who is the light of the world, the one who calls us to walk in the light as he is in the light the one who goes through the valley of the shadow of death, the one who leads us beside still waters, 
who makes us lie down in green pastures, who restores our soul. As this has been a tough year, but there is hope. We have great hope because as long as Jesus is alive, there is light, there is life, and there is hope in him. Amen? God, we thank you for who you are, that you are the light that has overcome the darkness and you never let go of us. Doesn't matter what we're going through, doesn't matter what we're walking in, into, walking out of. You've got it. You hold the whole world in your hands and you hold us in your hands as well. So Lord God, none of us want to be anxious. We want to obey your commands. May we feel your care. May we understand your care, Lord God, and put all of our hope and trust in you. Because in you there is no darkness. And that's where we want to rest. In Jesus' name, amen.